egotistical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Welcome on in everybody to the Saturday Night Network here for another edition of SNL Stories. So happy to be with you today for a very special interview with a guy who has been very involved in the Saturday Night Live community for years and wrote a wonderful book that we're going to talk all about. So I'm excited to break that all down with you in just a moment. But first, got to introduce James P. Stevens Jr. James, how are you? Hey, I am doing great. I'm so excited that uh, we get to talk to Mike Streeter today. Ah, there you go. Yes. Very pumped to get to talk to Mike. Happy to have you on with us, James. And of course, it is the man from SNL in review, Entertainment Weekly's own Andy Hoagland. Andy, how are you? I'm doing quite well, John. Quite well. I'm, I'm happy and humbled to, to be here and, and be able to contribute to this you know, stimulating conversation with, with, with Mr. Mike Streeter. And more importantly, I'm, I'm here to support James. Oh, yeah. Well, we all aren't we all so <laughs> happy, happy. I just want to make my priorities clear as we get started. I'm thankful for that. Oh, Andy, I love my I love my brother. <laughs> yeah, very pumped uh, to have you on Andy. And then, of course, without further ado, our guest we have on SNL stories today is a very special one. Sometimes we have former cast members, members of the crew, but this time we're gonna have somebody who wrote a book. And if you're a big fan of SNL books and a collector of them, you will know of this book called Nothing Lost Forever, the films of Tom Schiller, originally published in 2005 by my man, Mike Streeter. So Mike, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I, it's not, you know, it's so many years ago that I, I don't often get the opportunity to talk about this. So uh, very glad to be here. Thanks. Very excited to have you on. And Mike, I believe that the reason that we are talking to you today is because the book is now out in hardcover, correct? Uh, yeah, there is a, uh, it's the exact same book. There's there's nothing new about it. It just has a nice new hardcover. It, you know, if you like nice Excellent. books on your shelf, uh, check it out. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So definitely encourage you to go check that out. And we'll do uh, some plugs at the end of the show for where to find that book. But if you're not familiar with the works of Tom Schiller, where have you been? Because Tom Schiller is such an integral part of SNL, especially in terms of pre-tapes. You know, Saturday Night Live, when they were figuring out the beginnings of the show, they didn't necessarily know what the show was going to be. It felt like a variety show in certain senses. Some was episodes were more music. But, you know, really, when it was the Schiller pre-tapes were something that I think really established themselves in two different eras of the show, the original cast. And oftentimes you'll remember pre-tapes like Don't Look Back in Anger and La Dolce Gilda, those really famous ones. And then of course, Love is a Dream from the Phil Hartman and Jan Hooks era of the show. These are famous Tom Schiller films that have permeated the culture of Saturday Night Live for decades. So Mike, when you were originally writing this book, what inspired you to want to talk to Tom Schiller and get involved in the process of writing about these famous films? You know, I was just uh, obsessed with his movie, uh, Nothing Lasts Forever. But, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up watching Saturday Night Live. I grew up in uh, in Holland and uh, we didn't have SNL there, but we did have all the movies from SNL stars. So, you know, Eddie Murphy, uh, Chevy Chase, um, those guys were all were all huge. So I grew up watching watching those movies and and that's how I saw uh nothing lasts forever and then moving to the states uh as a teenager I uh I'd heard about SNL I'd seen it like on vacation uh and was really into it but um 
it wasn't until I moved to the States as a teenager that I was able to actually watch older episodes and, and you know, watch new ones too. And uh, I, I, it, it took a while, but I made the connection. Oh, this, this weird movie I saw in the middle of the night years ago was from this guy who did short films on SNL. And they're very, uh, they're very similar. So I just, um, yeah, I fell in love with his, uh, with his short films. I, I thought the, the style was, uh, was really unique. Um, and uh, yeah, that sort of started it. James? Yeah, Mike, it's been about 20 years or something where we first met, right? Yeah, we met at, uh, at Standby a bunch of times. I'm trying to think. My first, the first show I ever did Standby for, I was living in St. Louis at the time and, and drove out. Me and my mom drove. I, was, I think I was in my early 20s or, uh, yeah, or 20 or something like that. And it was uh, Sarah Michelle Geller and Faith Hill. I don't know. Was that a show you did? No, well, so not that one. That. T- tell me another. Tell me another one. Oh gosh, Ray Liotta, the Donnas. I think that was the second one I did. I used to have all that stuff memorized, but you know, with age. But yeah, we yeah we did a bunch of shows together. Yeah. And. Ladies, like this was, we were talking right before the show uh, about this is at a time where like digital copies of things and, and the internet was not, you know, the way it was. And, and you were talking about this book that you were trying to put together in, in Tom Schiller films. And I don't know, do you remember like which which ones were the hardest to find or come by or whatever? And I know that I had them and and uh, hooked you up and it was uh, uh that's that's how we met, I guess, right? Yeah, I got. Some, I think I got some from you. I think I got some from um, Mark um, uh, Jennings. Mark Jennings, yeah. Marcus Jennings, yeah. And um, yeah, you guys had like, pretty much everything. I was amazed. Uh, the, the so I had everything from the original era. So Schiller was at SNL seventy five to eighty. Those first five years, he didn't start doing short films until I think seventy seven. Uh, the first few years was uh, Albert Brooks, obviously, and then, Ger- and then Gary Weiss, and uh, finally Lauren let him do his films, which you know was part of the deal all along. And uh, those were released in a uh, on a videotape. I wish I had it here. Uh, I have it in storage, but uh, they they actually released a videotape. The cla- the um, classic films, yeah, yeah right of Schiller's of Tom Schiller. Films. Yeah, they. <laughs> That, uh, and it had two shorts that were never uh, that had never aired, as well. So those were the original seventy-five to, to eighty, and there was one from there was one that kind of straggled that showed it in eighty-one, and uh, I think it was only those because Tom owed uh, owned the rights to those original shorts outright. So so Star Maker was able to do it, you know, make a deal with him directly, and. Um, his later shorts, when he came back to the show in, uh, I think, 88, he was there 88 to 95, those shorts, he owned 50%. So they never put those out. So I was able to get all of the original shorts and then the later ones, yeah, I had to dig around for them. Um, eventually, Tom gave me uh, a, a tape that had some, some shorts that, that never aired. He gave me those, and the rest I had to piece together from, uh, yeah, from other fans. Yeah, you, Mark. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, real, real detective work. And it, for for younger fans, this is a, 
you know, a glimpse into a world that that really doesn't exist anymore. It's almost like hard to fathom for someone like myself. And I'm, I'm, you know, in my mid to late thirties almost. Um, so I'm feeling kind of nostalgic hearing you guys go back and forth on what it used to be like to, to be a, a real diehard fan. And Mike, that kind of leads me to my question. Um, you know, first, again, just to kind of like, you know, set the table a little bit for, for people listening and watching, you know, you think about the, the pantheon of SNL books, you know, if, if you want to view this stuff critically or, or approach it academically or, or thoughtfully or what have you, there's not a not a big universe of must reads, in, in my opinion. I'd put like the Mr. Mike biography on there and, and really your your book, Mike. Um, so if, if folks uh, haven't read it and, and want to be, you know, a self-appointed SNL historian like like me and James here, uh, you, you have to check it out. So I guess my my question for, for this conversation is, you know, you were talking a little bit about your, your origin story, Mike, but how does it escalate? You know, it's one thing to know about nothing lasts forever and, and to be mindful that Tom Schiller exists. It's, a, it's another to like his stuff, but what kind of takes you to that third tier and, and makes you decide this is something that I, I want to invest so much time and research in and actually turn it into a book. Yeah. So what, what happened was uh, I struck up a correspondence with Tom I guess, uh, yeah, probably like 20 years ago, I think like uh, 2002. And uh, I was uh, studying uh, film, well, film studies at the time. And I, I knew that I had to do, you know, kind of like a, a final project there, like a, not quite a thesis. What school was this at? This was at Webster University in St. Louis. And uh, so I, uh, I thought about, you know, I'd been talking to him. And he uh, he had sent me a copy of the uh, of the movie after I kind of you know politely I nudged him kind of politely like wow wouldn't it be nice to to see that again I got to see it in the middle of the night because it aired on on Dutch TV for some reason um, and and he was kind of amused by that uh, you know sort of that history uh, so he sent me a tape and I I just fell in love with the movie uh, all over again finally getting to see it. And I thought, why don't I write my uh, my uh, thesis project about Schiller? Um, you know, it, it's a uh, it's a very interesting body of work. It, it's sort of short. Like, there's a bunch of short films, a movie, and then more short films. But I thought, you know, this is. I think the work uh, deserved it, so I, I wrote it, and, and uh, I, I wrote the the thesis, and um, it, it, I got a lot of. I remember the, the head of the department at my at my uh, school said it was you know by far the best uh, like final project he'd ever read. And uh, what also helped was I um, for that project I got to interview Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and I think Lauren Michaels as well. Um, Tom had uh, put me in touch with uh, with them. And so after that was, you know, after I finished school, I'm like, I had no clue what I wanted to do. I, I hung out in, in Holland for a bit. I went back there and um, I, um, I, I, I tried, you know, maybe condensing it to like a, an article and I had no, no luck with that. And then I thought, uh, why not do a, do a book? And, and thankfully there was a publisher that was, willing to 
uh, I guess he kind of just saw the the passion. I think at that point it was just a two person operation. But uh, Bear Manor Media, uh, Ben Omart, um, was like, "Here's here's a bit of money. Go go write it." Uh, it was it wasn't much, but uh, you know my parents were supporting me at the time, and I, I spent um, yeah about eight, nine, ten months uh, writing it, doing more interviews, more research, and uh, yeah, it ended up being a book. Uh, that's kind of how that happened. So, Mike, you mentioned the interviews that you did throughout the process of creating this book. And I think that's what our listeners are, you know, very, very interested in, because I encourage them to go and read the book. But it's not just about the interviews, it's the process of conducting the interviews that I think is really fascinating. So you sent me a list of interviews that you did for this book, including Lorne, Dan Aykroyd, Peter Aykroyd, uh, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, Mike Myers, Victoria mm-hmm. Jackson, Bertie Brillstein. So those are some big names that you hit on there. Is there are there one or two stories or people that you want to particularly talk about here that you think the listeners would find interesting your experience interviewing them? Yeah. So what, what happened was uh, Tom gave me Bill Murray's 800 number and he, he left a message for Bill as well. And uh, he was basically the first person to call me back, believe it or not. And uh, I, I spoke to him for a bit and he was really nice. He, he oddly knew about the school I went to. Um, he uh, knew a lot about St. Louis, and uh, he, after just interviewing him, suddenly other people were like, "Sure, I'll talk to you." They, they, you know, I was able to start. Oh, I already talked to Bill Murray. Can I talk to you? And and that made it a lot easier. Um, Dan Aykroyd, the you know the same thing. I, I don't know if Bill, you know, having interviewed Bill already had anything to do with that, but that was just you know it's just. Tom putting in the request and then giving me the info and going from there. Um, with Lorne, Tom pushed him a bit because I think Tom wanted to know about what happened with Nothing Lasts Forever. There were some unresolved, sort of some unresolved issues there. And I think Tom kind of wanted to know what was going on. Or maybe or that's what I always speculated. Maybe he, maybe he uh, saw this as a, as a uh, good way to have, you know, an independent you know, an independent researcher going in and trying to untangle that. And uh, so, so Tom had to call Lauren a few times and I was able to talk to Lauren. And then uh, when it became a book, I was able to talk to Lauren uh, a bit more. A few people I talked to uh, after that, I, I was able to do uh, Mike Myers uh, just through his agents. Uh, that went pretty easy. Uh, Victoria Jackson, I don't even remember how I got in touch with her. Uh, and then, uh, Chevy, I think, yeah, just through his, uh, through his agents and and he was great. Um, he was, uh, that was probably my favorite interview. Uh, he was just hilarious and he, he dropped all kinds of, you know, off the record remarks there. One, one thing, I guess I'll, you know, I guess Chevy's old enough. I can probably tell this. Um, but um, Tom, one of the sketches that Tom is known for writing is uh, Samurai Hotelier, the very first samurai sketch with John Belushi. And, you know, there's a whole story about how that sketch came to be. It was, you know, they were, went out for, uh, or I, I guess I'm getting Nick the Lounge Singer mixed up, but uh, on, on Samurai Hotel, there was a whole story about who wrote it and then I think Alan Zweibel took over after the first one, uh, and it became a recurring thing. But um, 
it was like a known thing that Tom was the first, the, the first samurai sketch writer. And I think he came up with the, uh, with the name. I don't know if that's true, but, uh, I discussed it with Chevy and he said, I have to paraphrase, but he, he basically, basically said, no, that, that was me. I wrote that. Tom didn't write that, but go ahead and give it to him. He can have it. And then he started telling me about, uh, about how, uh, other things he would write would, uh, go out and come back with other people's names on it. And he, he made a comment about particularly the, the female writers. He would write something. The female writers would basically type it out according to him and it would come back with, with their names on it. Uh, I don't know if that's ever been discussed, but that, I thought that was very, <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I didn't write about it, but you know, enough time has passed. I can, I can probably share that. Um, and uh, eventually I got to meet uh, Alan Zweibel and I asked him like, who, it, is it true what Chevy said, what Chevy told me? And he said, no, it was, it was Tom who wrote it. And then I took it over. Basically what, what's always been written about that, uh, that sketch. Interesting. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And you did send me some pictures, by the way. So I just, while I have an opportunity to show some, I figured I could bring them up on screen if you're watching us on YouTube. But here is a, there's some really fun ones you send. Here's a nice one of you. Yeah. I assume this is at, is that a party, is it? That is, uh, so Tom Davis, who wrote the foreword to my book, he and I became really close uh, in the years after I wrote my book and as he was uh, writing and preparing for the release of his, I got to know him uh, when, when he got sick. I, I, I was only one of the few people that he, he told about it. Um, and then after, after he got sick, you know, a lot of people started calling him and I was like, you know, he didn't need this fawning uh kid you know regale you know listening to his to all his stories you know he's got enough people to talk to so i didn't talk to him that much uh after that uh i mean i, I talked to him a, a bunch of times uh, up until his his death and i was at the um at the memorial for him but uh this photo is from when the uh the book came out when the tom davis book came out and i think that was 2005 it is uh i have it up here it's 39 years of short-term memory loss. Great book. Great book. Yeah, great book. Although, although he, he didn't like that some people challenged him on the facts. He was kind of bummed out by that, that people were like, oh, you got this info wrong. But uh, they had a, uh, a book release party for that, which I helped him organize with, with Mark Malkoff, who was the other guy in that photo. And... Um, at the as we were we were like having dinner like kind of brainstorming oh what are we going to do and and his girlfriend uh of many years Lindsay Bryce uh who I think took that picture right there she she was also involved in those discussions and he said I want a uh, an ice sculpture of Lorne Michaels and me and Mark we looked at each other and we're like that's not going to happen. And, you know, we say, sure, sure. Uh, we, we'll look into it. But um, sure enough, I guess his, uh, his girlfriend, Lindsay, I think, uh, had an ice sculpture of Lorne made and it was there. And then Lorne showed up, I guess this was the, uh, this was the week that uh, Jimmy Fallon, I think was uh, doing his first shows. 
he came with uh, with Seth, Seth Myers to the uh, to the party, and uh, he loved it. He took out his phone. He he was just fascinated that there was an ice sculpture of him. You can't really see it well here, but that's that's the ice sculpture in the middle. Um, so that yeah, that was another uh, just crazy uh, experience with uh, with Tom Davis, who I I really miss. He was such a, a great guy, just a an amazing person. I, I'm very lucky to have had in my life for. Uh, for a few years. Mike, this is, this is fascinating to hear you talk about it. And uh, just quickly, again, for those that can see it here, I'm plugging the book. I'm a proud owner of the book. I've had it since uh, I think maybe you sent me a cut here. Can I, can I brag about one thing here? Sure. Andy, take, take a look at this. This is, this is one of the reasons why this book is on my shelf proudly there. If you look at the acknowledgements here, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that uh, helped Mike uh, put this together, but how cool is it to have James Stevens right there after Robert Smichael on the same page wow. where uh, Lauren is Very being cool. thanked? Um, I, I need to pull out my book now to make sure that, that James's name is in that one. Yeah, can you, can you check that one for us, Andy? Yeah. Not just a, a special doctored copy. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but so about about the film, you know. People, I'm encouraging you if you if you don't have the book to to read it. Uh, what can, without giving uh, away any spoilers? I mean, what can you tell us that you did learn about its uh, unfortunate uh, being kept, you know the best kept secret? Kind of like no one has seen it. I, there was a recent interview that Tom Schiller did uh, where he was like <laughs> laughing that somebody had actually seen the film. Mike, yeah. So I um, yeah. So the movie. I mean, I can give you some background on the movie. It, it when Lauren left um, SNL, he wanted to make movies, and so he had a deal, uh, according to him, first with Warner Brothers. And I don't know if Guild Alive was uh, a part of that, but um, that uh, nothing other than that, maybe nothing ever came of that. And then he he had a big movie deal with uh, with MGM, and. Um, this is around the time this is i guess shortly after mgm just you know imploded collapsed and uh so as a result of that nothing other than nothing lasts forever nothing actually got got made um but there were a number of projects he had in in development uh al franken and tom davis were they wrote a script called 1985 and it was going to be a big sci-fi comedy spoof of 1984 um, and, uh, I go into a lot of, one of the things about the book is there is a lot of minutia in it. I like little details. Uh, it, it doesn't always make for the best reading, but, uh, there is just a lot of, uh, you know, kind of information that you don't really find anywhere else. Um, and, uh, I go in depth on 1985. I figured who else is going to write about this? Let me just do a whole chapter on it. Um, so you can read all about that movie and, and, um, uh, Tom Davis's and, uh, Al Franken's experience in, in not getting that made. Uh, that, so that was going to be a big budget thing. Don Novello had a, uh, um, a script that he was working on. I think it was called like a man named Sporkachoni or something like that. Um, I, I never got any info on that. Uh, if, if I'd, if I'd have written this book today, I would have 
maybe tried to interview Don, but it, it was very, I don't know, it was a very different time back then. It was harder to connect to people. Um, and then in, in one of the other interesting things is uh, Lauren uh, and uh, I think John Head uh, at Broadway Video, they were writing a, um, I think it was like a Jane Austen adaptation, it, one of uh, one of his favorite books that would have been, you know, basically just, uh, I think it was Pride and Prejudice, uh, or maybe it was one of those other, you know, uh, books. But um, uh, so, so they had a bunch of projects, but Tom, and then also Tom, uh, Lauren said, you know, go write whatever you want, something, you know, that's really true to your sensibilities. And so Tom uh, I think I think Tom was the first one to complete his script. It was just uh, something that didn't look very expensive to make. So when it came time to actually put something into production, they were able to go with uh, with nothing lasts forever, uh, which was you know it's kind of a, a cheap thing they could do pretty quickly and get some SNL stars in it. Um, John Belushi was supposed to be in it. Uh, that's one of the things I, I'm proud of with the book, or at least I was back then, was that. You know that was information that was never shared anywhere. Uh, it's not in Wired. It's not in any of the Belushi books. But um, there, there's a lot written about how uh, Joy of Sex was going to be his his next movie. Um, but actually, nothing uh, lasts forever was going to be was going to be it. He was going to uh, play uh, a pretty decent size uh, role in it as a a. a uh, a uh, homeless person that uh, the main character uh, encounters, um, but he uh, he passed away shortly before production started, and so they uh, they went with uh, they went in a completely different direction. They went with a, a, a um, like a a trained uh, uh, you know British like Shakespearean actor, but it still had um, you know Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, and it was cheap, so it got made. And then the the at MGM the shit really hit the fan <laughs> around the time it was completed and it was shelved. Um, it was weird. It was a weird movie. They didn't really know what to do with it. They didn't want to spend money finishing it. it it's a movie that actually never locked picture, um, and uh, they didn't want to uh, they didn't want to spend any money releasing it. Uh, so it it got a um, it got a release in, in two, maybe three theaters. Uh, I think one of them well, it played in, in Seattle, uh, and then it played in, I think it was in Phoenix, maybe. Uh, and it was kind of like a test release slash, you know, obligatory, you know, contract thing. Um, and, uh, and that was it. And because of the music issues... It never went to uh, never went to TV. It never went to to cable. Never went to videotape, and uh, somehow it 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 was part of a package of films that uh, played in other countries. Uh, it, I got to see it in in Holland in the very early nineties, um, and uh, it, I know it's played in Germany. I think uh, in, in Italy. Uh, I actually helped track down. Uh, versions of the movie in those languages for Tom. Um, and uh, so it played in a few countries 
outside the U.S., but never in uh, never in in the U.S. until you know a couple of years ago. Mike, I was wondering. You know, we we live in an era where you know SNL alumni they're they're increasingly put out putting out memoirs, uh, frequently very self serving memoirs. Um, and you know, at the same time, it, it feels like a lot of critics they they kind of view the show a critically, right? Like the it's either they they kind of write about it as the as an extension of the show's PR apparatus, or they they dismiss the marriage of the show culturally or creatively. You know why? Why is it important to to take a filmmaker, uh, an SNL writer um, like Tom Schiller seriously? Like, what 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 does Tom Schiller kind of mean in in your view? Yeah, that's a good question, and that was kind of why I wanted to to write the book to kind of I, I I saw something on the show. I mean, obviously there's there's great comedy and all these uh, you know just culturally re- relevant. Um, you know, recurring characters that have been on the show over the years. But I saw Tom's films as kind of standing out. I thought they, uh, in, in, in many cases, I mean, sometimes it was just played for comedy, but in many cases, it was uh, kind of a, his short films offered a moment where, where the show got to be sincere, uh, you know, like Don't Look Back in Anger, Love is a Dream, the the Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks short, and, and there were a few others. And I I thought, okay, let's look at this as you know beyond just a comedy show. There, there were a few things it tried to do, um, mostly from Tom Schiller, uh, where it tried to be uh, you know tried to kind of take it seriously. And um, I always felt that that was that helped make for a really great mix on the show. And I kind of. I kind of felt like they uh, didn't do that enough. Um, there, it happens every once in a while where you can kind of see a moment where it's just going, you know, going not just for the laugh, but for, you know, just kind of a heartfelt moment. And um, uh, I, I think that's really unique when that happens. And so, yeah, so that was one of the reasons I wanted to, to I don't want to say elevate Tom Schiller, but just kind of, Look at him from a different angle rather than just, oh, you know, the short films from a comedy show. Through your experience with all of the interviews and creating the book, you had mentioned prior to the interview that you had also gotten the experience to hang out at Saturday Night Live during an episode. I believe you mentioned it was Ben Affleck and Nelly. I think that was 2004, season 30. What was that like? Did you learn anything cool about the process of SNL and being there uh, wherever you were watching the show? Yeah. So what happened was I, uh, I still lived in St. Louis at the time and I came out to New York to, um, to, I guess, interview some people. And I, um, I met with Tom Davis. I'd never met him at that time. A friend of my friend, Chris and I, we drove out and we had dinner with, with Tom and, um, Tom, um, made us pay for dinner, (laughs) which I guess makes sense. But, uh, for me and Chris, it was kind of tough because we were we were like dirt poor, and uh, we were at a pretty nice restaurant. And it was like, oh man, this is this is kind of rough. So at the end, we're like, me and Chris were like, screw it, we paid for his dinner. Let me let's ask him if he can help us get on the show. So I did, and uh, Tom pulled some strings. He got a ticket through. Um, uh shoot what's his name steve the um 
the announcer for Fallon. Um, Steve Higgins. Steve Higgins. Through Steve Higgins, he got me and Chris tickets while we were there. Uh, that happened to be the show. Uh, Tishon Shannon uh, was there and kind of hung out with us, showed us around, gave us a, a tour. And uh, they stuck us in the writer's room the entire time. And so for both the dress rehearsal and the live show, we hung out in the, in the writer's room. And it was really cool talking to the, chatting with the writers. J.B. Smoove was there. Uh, I remember overhearing who some of the upcoming uh, hosts were. They mentioned Mark Wahlberg, and then that never happened. Uh, but that was interesting. And um, yeah, it was just really cool. And, and uh, Doug Abels was another uh, guy we chatted with for a bit. And uh, he, he got me into the, into the season finale party, uh, I guess, that year or the next. And um, it was cool. And we, we just kind of hung around there. And then in between shows, all the cast, they, you know, gather around there. Uh, it's not that big of a room, but um, they uh, they they sort of huddled there. And I remember me and my friend Chris were standing there, and Will Forte was uh, rehearsing a uh, George W. Bush, uh, I guess, cold open, and he was just circling us. I don't know if he was annoyed that we were there, or that, that's just what he did to be in the zone and prepare. But it was that was very interesting. <laughs> he just like kept going around, spinning around us over and over. Uh, uh, and, and then, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. It was really, um, yeah, it was cool that we got to, uh, experience it from that, uh, that point of view. Awesome. James. Uh, yeah, no, that's really, really cool. Um, I wanted to say another thing about the book uh, again, lo love the book. And there's, uh, what you wrote about, you, you do talk about these going into tangents and, and digging deep where, uh, it might be the only time someone is really talking about a specific thing. But in addition to that, I uh, wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, some of the other goodies that are in there. Like there's uh, there's like an expense voucher from uh, La Dolce Gilda that, uh, you know, was uh, was from Schiller. Um, but I, I also thought, it, tell me a little bit more about this. In the appendix, at least in the version that I have, there is this um, Broadway video <laughs> newsletter that is like, a comic book <laughs> that's yes. the best thing that i could describe it like what how did you come across that tell what is that so that i got from uh from judy belushi uh she sent that to me and um i asked tom ache and i put that in there and he's like sure and i'm like you know why not i mean this was never going to be a big book so i figured you know if i have stuff like that let's just put it put it at the end people might find it interesting and uh, yeah, it was a, uh, in the early 80s, there was a newsletter at Broadway Video. Um, and uh, yeah, like, you know, writers would contribute it, uh, to it. Uh, I think Tom kind of took the lead on it. And um, I remember uh, when I went to um, Tom Davis's memorial, uh, I mean, like everyone was there, Aykroyd, Murray, uh, you know, Lauren, Jimmy Fallon, they all gave, um, um, you know, they all spoke at this event and, and, uh, um, the, um, gosh, who are the guys who went on to write for the, Sim for the Simpsons? Was it Tom Gamble and Al Jean? It wasn't Al Jean, but it was just the guy who Mike. has the really horse, vo horse voice. If you listen to Simpsons commentaries, I think it was Gamble. 
Uh, but uh, he was there and I, I, I was chatting with him and I mentioned um, the book came up because everyone was wondering why, why is this 20 something year or 30 something year old guy hanging out at this memorial service where, where it's, you know, just old SNL people. And um, I, I explained to him, yeah, I, I wrote this book and Tom did the foreword years ago. That's how I know him. And uh, they knew about the book because it had those uh, those pages in it. I guess they, they, they had written some of those. Uh, and so they heard, they somehow heard about the book because those, those uh, pages were included. But uh, yeah, I think there's like six or, se- six or seven pages of, uh, yeah, from those old newsletters. And it's just yeah, ra- wa- really wacky stuff. A lot of it's very inside. It, it, one of them is from when uh, I guess Al Franken and, and his wife had their, I guess, their first child. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's one reason to to check out the book. Uh, you, you know, it, a lot of things I would have done differently if I'd written it today. Maybe I wouldn't have gone into all the minutia or structured it differently, or, or definitely digged a little deeper into certain things. But um, that, that's one of the things I'm really uh, proud of. It's just like saying, "Screw it, let's just put this in." This will be in, if it's interesting to to just a few people. That's then it's worth it. Where else are people going to find this? So, yeah, just really cool artifacts. And another one, just real quickly, I'll mention is the uh, the, the script uh, pages from "Don't Look Back in Anger." Like there's 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 an initial version that uh, got completely rewritten, and then and then the yep. one that uh, and has markings on it and all that. I just that. That kind of thing for any uh, SNL historian or, or nerd is, is pretty Yeah, and that, that sketch was, that film was initially scripted very differently. It was going to have Tom interviewing, um, and uh, you can kind of see it all scratched out. And, and those pages, I think I got from, there's a bunch of the John Belushi stuff I got from Judy, and then a bunch of it I got from uh, from Leila Nabolsi, who was a very close friend of John's and who ended up working at um, at SNL and Broadway Video. Mike, you've brought up a, a few of the, the big stars that you, you interviewed for the book. Um, one name I was, I was curious about who's uh, a bit, uh, I guess, enigmatic, uh, particularly since he's, he's passed away. Uh, what was it like speaking with uh, Peter Aykroyd? Um, you know, how did you get in contact with him? Uh, yeah, so I'd interviewed Dan for the, uh, for, the, for the initial paper, the thesis or whatever you want to call it. And, um, when I wrote the book, I was like, you know, Peter Aykroyd was in one of the great Schiller's real shorts, Java Junkie. He also had a bit part in, uh, Nothing Lasts Forever. Uh, he he has kind of a a cameo as a musician, uh, alongside, um, Judy Belushi. And that, uh, that happened right, you know, right after, uh, Belushi passed away. And, um, uh, they, uh, was also in a, Peter Ackroyd was also in a, um, in a Cinemax, uh, comedy experiment, they called it. It was a series of, you know, specials that, uh, Tom Schiller did called, uh, Flapjack Floozy with, uh, it was Peter Ackroyd and Terry Garr. Um, and, uh, so it was like, yeah, I'd really like to speak to Peter Ackroyd. Nobody ever talks about him, talks to him. You don't really read anything about him. He just kind of. He did that year on SNL or part of the year and then just kind of disappeared. He was involved with some projects with his brother. He, he did a lot of the music there. Um, I was like, wow, it'd be great to talk to him. And I, I so I reached out to Dan Aykroyd's office 
I don't know if you've ever gotten to call Dan Aykroyd's office, but it's like it, it. Sometimes it has different, different answering machine messages. But one at one point, it was a lady saying, "You've reached, um, gosh, what was his company? Something Applied Action Research." And then another time, it was it was uh, you've reached the office of uh, Elwood Blues. <laughs> and um, in any case, I left the message. And I was like, "Hey, can I speak to Peter Aykroyd?" And uh, while after that he called me, uh, he was, um, you know, I don't want to use the word paranoid, I mean, you know, or speak ill of him in any way, but he was, uh, I, I think you didn't hear from him much for uh, for a reason maybe. But when I when I talked to him, or at least that's what I'd heard of him, about him, but when I talked to him, he was uh, just the greatest guy. He was really sweet really remembered a lot of stuff uh, about the movie, about the short films. He had a lot of great, great info there. And I think I got some, uh, some cool uh, quotes from him. And uh, uh, yeah, that, that's one of the things I love about the book is, you know, where, where else are you going to hear from, from Peter, Peter Ackroyd about that kind of stuff. So cool. And I would love for all of our listeners to take the opportunity to go out and get Mike's book that he worked so hard on and now is available in hardcover. Mike, would you mind telling the listeners where they can find the book if they're looking for it? Uh, yeah, I guess it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. Uh, and uh, if you get the uh, if you get the new hardcover edition, I'm happy to send. I had these little book plates made in Tom. Schiller signed a whole bunch of them, and I'll sign them too. So if you uh, if you buy the book and you want a uh, want it signed by Tom and myself, reach out to me. Uh, I guess on Twitter, I'm underscore Streeter, um, and uh, I'll just send it to you. Um, and uh, but yeah, Amazon and Barnes and Noble, I guess, or, or the publisher BearManorMedia.com. If you look hard, there might be. So when the book came out. We had a book release party and screening of the film uh, at Lincoln Center, and um, Bill Murray actually did the, uh, the book signing with us, which is just the craziest thing. That might be one of the just the highlights of my life. Uh, one of the most bizarre things if you if you think about it. Um, but yeah, we did a book signing together. So there's there's a bunch of copies of the uh, of the the previous edition of the book. That are signed by uh, yeah Bill Murray, Zach Galligan, the star of Nothing Lasts Forever, and uh, myself and Tom Schiller, obviously, uh, and Tom Davis did the signing as well. Uh, but if you if you can't find, if you can't find one of those, they're, they're, they must be very hard to find. There's not many. Um, you know, Tom and I'll sign it. I think that's fantastic. And I was just going to say about Bill Murray is like. Uh, everybody seems to really just uh, who has worked with Tom Schiller has just, you know, uh, mad respect um, and appreciation for his uh, way of writing, his thinking, just his, his overall, um, uh, I don't know, philosophy on, on, on comedy and even in videography, I guess. But yeah. uh, what, wouldn't you say Bill Murray, like Bill, like has a certain love for him. And, and, and I think his his showing up for that for that release is, is part of that is a testament to that. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, Bill's been Bill's always been a big champion of of the film. He he got the movie. It was because of him that the movie got shown um, uh, in uh, in Brooklyn as part of a retrospective. They did a ret- retrospective of Bill Murray's films, and I guess it was two thousand four, two thousand five. 
And he said, I'll do it if you can get a print of uh, nothing, nothing lasts forever. I'll, I'll do it. And, uh, and so he was there for that. And then he did the, um, yeah, when the book came out, he did the event there where, so I basically watched the movie with him twice, uh, a few seats away from him, which is kind of weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's been very, uh, yeah, he and Tom have a, a great connection. You know, it's not that like they speak to each other regularly, but, um, he is, uh, you know, he's very fond of Tom as a, as a friend and as an artist as well. That's awesome. Well, Mike, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. It was so cool to get to hear these stories. And I'm hoping that we can have you back on in the future to get to talk more about your experience writing the book and, and your interactions with people around the SNL world. So thanks again, Mike. Really appreciate that. And if you are listening to this podcast on the day it comes out, we're heading right towards a monumental episode of Saturday Night Live, which is hosted by Steve Martin and Martin Short. So I would be remiss, Mike, if I didn't ask, are you excited for SNL this week with Steve and Marty? Absolutely. I mean, I'm getting old. So a lot of the uh, hosts they have and musical guests, especially nowadays, they don't really always you know, get my interest. I'll, I'll watch it. But yeah, it, um, Steve Martin, Martin Short, that's got to be a, uh, that's going to be a great one. Yeah, for sure. I, I can't wait. Very excited for that. And of course, you can catch all of our coverage of it starting with the Hot Take Show immediately after the episode airs. We'll be live at 1am Eastern to break it all down here on our YouTube channel and in our audio feed on Sunday as well, plus our roundtable by the numbers and patron feedback show all coming up this week to cover that episode. James, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to get to talk to you. Absolutely. Likewise. Yeah, appreciate it. And then uh, SNL in review, Andy, always a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, Andy, also, I know I just want to plug for you uh, as a friend. Uh, I love the article you wrote uh, about Adam Sandler. It was great. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, that, that just came out on Entertainment Weekly. And I, I should have a couple more pieces coming out um, by the time this airs, matter of fact. And I before before we go, I did also want to acknowledge that uh, Mike was able, I don't even know if you remember this, Mike, but you helped facilitate my interview with Tom Schiller during the pandemic. I interviewed him for uh, for Vulture and, and you were so yeah. gracious to to put me in contact with him. I, I got lunch with him out in the Berkshires, like right in the thick of the pandemic. It was like wow. the only fun thing I did for like several weeks. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, definitely check out that interview if you haven't gone back and check it out with Andy and Tom Schiller. So on behalf of James and Andy and Mike Streeter joining us today, my name is John Schneider from the Saturday Night Network. We will see you next time, everybody. Have a good one.